Welcome back, guys, to episode 229 of Superman Life. I'm your host, Coach Frank Rich. And before we dive into today's intro and conversation, let me just take a moment to remind you how incredibly grateful and thankful I am to have you here with me today. Guys, I'm going to speak from the heart here on this one. Typically, I'll have a pre-written intro with some key talking points and kind of some takeaways that I want to share with you about what you're going to get in the episode. But today, I'm going to take it a little bit different of approach and just speak from my heart here because what we've done here with episode 229 is something that is uniquely different from every other conversation that we've had here at the Superman Life. And I just want to first off, thank you for joining. If you're new here, make sure to hit that subscribe button, guys, so you do not miss another upcoming episode. We're dropping every single Monday at 7 a.m. I want to make sure you guys do not miss any of our episodes. Guys, I have a returning guest here, somebody that has been on the podcast with me two previous times, dating back to summer of 2020, way back in our early days, episode 36. We had this gentleman on, and then we brought him back about a year or so later for episode 98. And joining me today is my good friend, my brother, Rob Kowalski. Rob is the author of a book called Why Waiting Works. He's the previous founder and director of an organization called CityFan, which was a Maryland-based nonprofit organization whose mission was to change lives through the power of community. Rob is a self-proclaimed former bad boy. He was at one point one of the biggest stripper nightclub promoters in his hometown of Baltimore until he had a radical life-changing encounter with Jesus that transformed him forever. Guys, and we unpack Rob's story in the first episode. So I'm going to link both of his previous episodes down in the show notes, I highly recommend checking out episode 36. But why I have Rob back on the show here today is Rob has recently really jumped out and started talking a lot about the concept of polygyny and how polygyny, in his eyes, is a solution for many of our modern problems. Normally, what I'll do here with these episodes, guys, is I want to bring on experts. I want to bring on people that I believe can bring value to you, can help you move forward, transform, excel, level up in any of the areas that we love to talk about, faith, fitness, finance, family, freedom, business, entrepreneurship, health, wellness, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. But when I saw a good friend of mine talking about some things that I don't fully believe with, I wanted to reach out and have a conversation. Now, Rob and I have had many non-public conversations about our differences in opinions on this topic of polygyny. But after contemplating it for a while, I decided, you know what, I want to bring this to the public. I think that there's value in you hearing two grown men, two guys that are great friends, disagree on some topics. Now, this isn't a debate. It is a discussion. At points, we do disagree. I don't want to say that it gets heated, but it definitely is not something that I 100% support. So I'm not here supporting polygyny. In any way, you'll even hear me at the end of the conversation, you stick around all the way till the end, tell Rob that I don't really know if we moved the needle for either one of us. Uh, but I believe that Rob believes 100% in what he's sharing. And despite him having belief in it, I cannot support it. But I did want to bring the conversation to the platform, talking about polygyny, how he believes it's going to solve a lot of the problems, how I believe his assessment of what those problems are is inaccurate. 
I am a believer in the nuclear family. I am a believer in one man, one woman, one household is, in my opinion, the greatest institution ever created known to mankind. And I believe as we've seen it get ripped apart at its core for the last 40, 50, 60 plus years, we need to bring it back. We need to bring back the traditional family values. We need to bring back the nuclear family. Because I think this great nation that I get a chance to live in and experience freedom in was built off of the nuclear family principles. And I want to see that return, guys. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I want to know what your thoughts are. After hearing today's episode, reach out to me. What side do you fall on? Does Rob make any good points in his argument? Did I make any strong points in my argument back to him? So guys, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at frank at rebuiltrecovery.com. You can reach my Instagram at Coach Frank Rich. Please share this episode, though, guys. Share this one. Get it out there. Let's get some conversation rolling. Let's get the buzz about it, guys. But is polygyny the answer to solving our modern dating and marriage crisis? I'll let you decide at the end of today's conversation. But we love you guys. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review the show. But let's get into it, guys. A discussion on polygyny with my good friend, Rob Kowalski. I love you guys. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the Superhuman Life. I'm your host, Frank Rich, and this is the only podcast in the world that is dedicated to helping men level up in the five key areas of life. Each week, we bring you real and raw conversations with the world's leading experts in faith, fitness, finance, family, and freedom to provide you with real actionable tools to break limiting beliefs, take action, and shatter the glass ceiling on your life's potential. So jump on board and join me on this journey as we dive into today's conversation and unlock the keys to you becoming the man you were born to be and creating your own superhuman life. Rob, you don't strike me as an individual that does things for his own personal pleasure. And I've seen a lot of your content recently around the topic of polygamy and polygyny specifically. Uh, So I think the first question I want to ask you is what problem in the world are you trying to solve with this content and how do you see your approach, your solution as the solution for the problem? Yeah. Thanks again for having me on. Cause not most people wouldn't be brave enough to have this conversation. I don't feel like, and I do appreciate that you said that, um, that I don't do things for my own benefit. I take the call of God very seriously in my life for anyone that doesn't know me. I gave my heart to, to Jesus 23 years ago. I was abstinent for the next six years. I went from being like very promiscuous, hundreds of women, hundreds of one night stands, to not having sex at all for six years, leading Bible studies, going to church, trying to learn about this God I knew nothing about. And um, eventually I backslid. I fell back into sexual sin, made a bunch, had, had tons more mistakes in that department, rededicated my life to twelve years to God 12 years ago and recommitted myself to sexual purity and assumed that God would give me a wife with enough good behavior at some point. And, and, and this you know unicorn would come along. And I say that because... I had never been in love. I, I never, when I say I've never been in love, I love women, but I'd never been with a woman that I was just like crazy about willing to bet the farm on and go in on, go all in on and get married. But I assumed, you know, that that would happen. God gives you the desires of your heart. And, and I was taught that mon- monogamy only is, you know, or monogamy is the only approved relationship structure to God. That's what we're taught in Christianity. And I believed it. So much so that I've waited 12 years now for this girl to come along that either God was going to tell me 
her. I would get some sense of peace. I have good discernment. Or just a girl that I met that I was just so crazy about that I would go to God and try to convince him, please let me marry this one. This has got to be her, right? God, please, please. You know, neither happened. And uh, a few months ago, I went down the rabbit hole, I guess you could say, of, of polygyny, wondering, you know, just learning about it and discovered a whole bunch of information that I think has been withheld from people and that it was never in the Bible to be monogamy only. You know, monog I think monogamy is fine and it probably is a great setup for the majority of people, even maybe 95% plus. I don't think many people would uh, be in a polygynous marriage or relationship, but that's not necessarily biblical. Like it's not biblical. It actually, God commands polygyny. He regulates it in Exodus 21.10. He commands it in Exodus twenty two sixteen. says, if a man sleeps with a virgin, he has to marry her. So, so it's not biblical to, to, to the Western law that we live under now is to say that it's monogamy is it, that this is the only thing that God approves of. And it's actually sin to go out and do this is what, you know, most pastors will tell you. And that's not the case. So I look at my own life and had I known this, that there was a potential of me to take a second wife, if I so chose, and still be in, in the will of God, still be in God's good graces, I would have been married a long time ago because there were women that I, I loved enough to marry them if I knew that I could potentially take a second or third wife down the road. Now, I didn't do that because I didn't believe that that was possible. So I waited. And at times I burned with lust. At times I just was severely depressed because I didn't have companionship. I was I was committed to not have sex before marriage, but I was just as committed equally to not settle. And I was stuck in the middle of these two polar forces. Now, what I, like I told you uh, offline is most men won't go through that. Not when I say most, I'm talking like 999 out of a thousand probably won't go through what I went through. They'll either fornicate because they'll get so freaking lonely, horny, depressed, whatever the thing is that they'll just tap out or they'll marry someone that is just good enough and they'll end up one of the 56% of people that get divorced because they settled because they're believing like I was that monogamy only is the only thing that God approves of when that is not biblical. And, and I, I can prove it. And that, so not only has this played out terribly in my own life, believing this lie, I believe that there are other men that are, that are suffering from it in one, one way or another, they're suffering from it by ending up a statistic. You know, I think, you know, I, I also believe that polygyny changes the, the dynamics of a, of a marriage too, and can keep it, keep it alive. Potentially. If a woman knows that, you know, you could, you, you're biblically, you're allowed to go out and take a second wife. If you so chose, even if you never do it, I think that that changes the dynamics of the relationship. Women are 75% of them are the ones that file for divorce. Potentially I could argue that that's because they secured you. And now, now you're not a challenge anymore. Because 50% of the people that stay married, of the 44% that stay married, half of them stop having regular sex after year four. I'm like, damn. So I got a 56% chance of failure under monogamy only. 44, and, and of the 44% that stay married, half of them stop having regular sex after year four. Like, who the hell wants to sign up for that? Like, seriously, I mean, I got a one in four chance of of being married and having sex. Like, that doesn't sound like God's ideal to me. Well, yeah, I mean, I understand all these statistics, Rob, and, and I think a lot of a lot of what I'm hearing, though, coming from you with some of these things is it's coming from a victim type of mentality. Like, I'm going to end up this way. I, I didn't make I didn't know this. So this is where my life has ended up. So we'll kind of return back to that. And I do want to kind of talk about the roles of marriages, 
what a what a husband is 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 called to do. What role does a woman play as a wife, as a mother, in the dynamics of what I believe is you know one of the greatest institutions, which is a nuclear family. So we'll circle back all to that. Um, but I I, I want to get back to the first question. Like, what actual problem in the world are we trying to solve for other people with this conversation? Well, let's think about this. Does polygyny offer? Okay, there are twenty more million women in the United States church than there are men. 20 million more. Some of those women want to be married. A lot of them. Okay. God gave us two commands. He gave us more than two commands, but one of the first commandments was be fruitful and multiply. Later, he tells you not to be unequally yoked with the unbeliever. Which of those two commandments do you want women to disobey because of this imbalance? Because it has to be one. Well, it doesn't. Um, sure does. there's, there's I mean, not a, mathematically, it's not, a, it's impossible for them to marry a, another believer because there's not enough of them. Okay. So wouldn't the call then be to get more men into the church? I, yeah, that's great. Let's do it. Yeah. Haven't let's go. We been trying? Let's go. Haven't we so, all been trying? But I'm saying polygyny fixes, you ask me what problems polygyny fixes. It fixes that. It creates more husbands for these women. What's the role of a husband? Provide and protect. I would say lead, you know, be the priest of your home, lead them spiritually. There's not enough godly men to even do this for the women that want to be married. Unpack that a little bit. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean by be the priest of your home? What do you mean by provide and protect? Lead them spiritually closer to God. You know, like I'm dating this girl in the Netherlands or talking to this girl in the Netherlands. And I, I send her devotionals. I pray with her every day. I'm like, she said to me, she's like, I'm, I'm so much closer to God since I've known you. That's the role of a man. That's what the role of what a man should do for a woman is lead her closer to God. Also provide and protect. I think what happens is women give love by sexual exclusivity, but men don't show love that way necessarily. We show love by provision and protection. I mean, I know I can, when I was out pouring around, I could sleep with a girl and it meant nothing. It meant nothing. It was like getting, getting my oil changed. It was meant, literally meant nothing to me. Women don't have sex like that. They don't show love. They show love by sexual exclusivity and they expect you to do the same thing when it's not necessarily in every man's nature, which is why I believe that God regulated polygyny. I mean, we have to ask, why did he do it? The other problem that it fixes is you've got one in three children being raised in fatherless homes in the United States right now. They have terrible, they're being set up for failure. 85% of incarcerated individuals are from fatherless homes. Now, you think a man would be more likely to take in a woman, a single mom, maybe she's past childbearing age, maybe she's a widow or just a divorcee. Is he more likely to take in a woman with children if she can be wife number two or three? And that first one is younger, maybe she can have babies. Of course, Who benefits in that situation? The kids, like how, how does, how does, how does, this is where like, I think you and I are going to fundamentally disagree because I think the role of a husband and a father is to all these things that you said, be the priest of the home, provide, protect. But I think that there's deeper underlying things that come out of that. I think uh, the role that a father plays in the children's life, how he treats the wife uh, will show the girls in the home what they should expect from a man, how he treats the wife will show the boys in the home, how he should respect women in his life. And I have a hard time wrapping my head around a guy that's doing that with multiple families is leading a good example. So how does, how does a guy splitting his attention across multiple families create an ideal environment for anybody? First off, what kind of man would you have to be to be in a polygynous marriage? I don't know. I don't, because I don't know any of them. Well, I'm just so saying, you I would imagine you're going to, well, for you, the woman's going to have to choose to say, okay, we live in the West. So she's going to have to choose to be with you. You're going to have to be the kind of guy that's just so unique and so special that she goes, 
this might not be ideal or even conventional, but this guy is so I can't I will not find another man like him. So she chooses to stay because of how how unique you are and how good you treat her versus what men do anyway. The majority is they just go out and they, they cheat and they lie about it. They never have to level up to become the kind of man that could actually be honest about this. Number one. Number two. OK, so I was going to have this guy on my podcast. He's coming on next week. KGB, ex Green Bay Packer. I don't know if you know him, Kabir or whatever. He's a he's a pro bowler, hall of, you know, Green Bowl Packer Hall of Famer, and he's got two wives. And he's part of this. Uh, he's one of these black people that believe uh, that the blacks are one of the lost tribes of Judah. They're Torah observant, anyway. And he was telling me about his second wife and how it came to be. And it was it was a widow. She had two kids. She was part of the church that he goes to. He already had a first wife. His dad was sick. His pastor said, "Let me send somebody to help you." Sent the woman up there to help, and. She was just so good to his dad. And so, and she had these kids like eight and 10 years old. And finally he's like, you know, he just went, he, did, he didn't do it because he wanted to have sex with her. You can have sex with, he's an NFL player. You can have sex with all the women he wants. He wanted to cover her and he wanted to provide for the kids. So when they finally, they sat down and told the kids, they were like, are you going to be our daddy? They said they were all, they were all crying together. And I was like, it's beautiful. It's like, isn't that the heart of God? This, it, when people say, oh, he shouldn't have married him. Like, it sounds like some healing on the Sabbath bullshit. Like the Pharisees would come up with is legalism. No, like it's not even, but first off, it ain't even in the Bible, which is what blows me away is that we've been taught that it is. And it ain't Jesus compared himself to a, a, a polygamist in the parable of the 10 virgins. We all heard that. Do you actually think Jesus would have compared himself to something that was sinful? Hell no. He wouldn't compare himself to a murderer or a, or a pedophile in a, in a parable. There's no way he would have done that, but he did. Yeah, I'm not I'm not equipped here to have a biblical uh, discussion around this topic with you. And I think I expressed that to you here here at the beginning. But um, I, I guess my question is, you know, Jesus lived over 2000 years ago. You're 50 years old. So that's 40 of your lifetimes. Why hasn't there been scholars? Why hasn't like what is it about Rob that has this information that for 2000 plus years it wasn't presented this way? Well, first off, there is people out there that believe, uh, and if you look in my comments, they're chiming in and they're, the thing is, is it's, so I mean, stupid. I'm not going to rely on people's comments on social media okay, but as I'm saying like scholar evidence of, of what really actually smart people that went, you know, got doctorates and stuff. So yes, but the, the mainstream belief is not that it's, you know, that it's accepted or approved of by God. And well, number one, it was stigmatized. Okay. There's a stigma, a heavy stigma around it now. So even people that believe it, if they say anything about it, they get persecuted. So you can see people just shitting on me in the comments because I'm like presenting truth. I'm not even practicing. I'm just talking about it. People are just so mad about it with the women, especially. And I believe that's because it subjugates them to the man. It makes the man the authority because he has the right to do it. And women do not have the right to do this according to the Bible. And they hate to hear that. But I, I believe what I've learned at least is that it was a monogamy was a Roman practice, you know, to having the one wife, but it was about property. It wasn't about morality. And as Christianity spread, it permeated into Christianity and eventually became the accepted form of marriage. But it, that's where the word romantic comes from is one man, one woman. It wasn't, but that wasn't the, if you look at God's chosen people, the Jews, they were called out by God, you know, to live separately from all the nations around them. And they were polygynous. It's well-documented. All the, most of the patriarchs had multiple wives and God never spoke negatively about it at all. And you never, you'll never find anything where he condemned or even, or even said a negative word about it for that matter. And we're, we're led to believe that Christianity is the spiritual offspring of Judaism. And somehow it was right for them. And it became wrong for us somewhere along the line. I don't buy it. And in addition to, I'm just seeing how it believing it played out in my life and it wasn't good. 
it, 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 I, like I said, most men won't go through what I went through. And it, you want to know how, what it does to the world is they'll go out and they'll make babies outside of wedlock or they'll end up a divorcee. And because of this monogamy only BS that we've been fed. So those are the problems that I think it fixes. I don't remember what question you asked me last, but I'm going to just went down a tangent. What, what do you think about the nuclear family? Like, I, I think if you look across history, every great society, every great empire, um, that's been at the foundation of it. Um, America being the greatest country of, of all time, like we are, you know, a, a product of the nuclear family. Now, obviously, that there's been a lot that's happened in the last 40, 50, 70 years that has kind of begun to deteriorate that at its core. And, that, and I believe that's what's leading to a lot of statistics that you're sharing. I don't think those stats are because of monogamy. I think that there's multiple factors being driven out of the sexual revolution, birth control, all these other things, women empowerment, feminism, real destruction, almost communist Marxist type of agenda to destroy America. You can read this in books that were written in the 40s and 50s. You know, you talk about Black Lives Matter, like one of their primary objectives was to destroy the nuclear family. So there's an attack against what I believe is the greatest institution of all time, which is nuclear family, husband, wife, children underneath one roof. So what are what are just your thoughts around that institution in, of a, in and of itself? Because it sounds like you're not really a, a, a proponent of it, like you think there's something wrong with it. No, if you be, if you're saying nuclear family means husband and wife under one roof with the children, I absolutely believe in that. If you're saying it means one man, one woman as the standard for all time for marriage, I don't believe that. And that's what people push back on the Christians and say, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve. And I'm like, look, Moses wrote that and he didn't even believe it. He was a polygamist. Moses had two wives, Zipporah and the Ethiopian. So you're telling me the guy that wrote the one man, one woman, one flesh, all that, that wrote the law, spoke with God face to face, that wrote the laws, the penalties for committing adultery, he wrote them. You're telling me that he was wrong and he just he just disregarded God's rules and went ahead and married two women and God never said anything to him about him while he was leading God's people? Come on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that Moses wrote the first book of Genesis. Well, no, Moses wrote wrote the first five books of the Bible. Moses, it's every I mean, yeah, I think that I there's like- different scholars that can kind of uh, debate that a little bit. Once again, I'm not here to have a biblical conversation and debate with you. I believe in the nuclear family. I do believe. I think that this puts more men. I believe this puts more husbands, wives, and children under the same roof. A lot more. Because imagine all the men, the Christian men out there, if they just, they wanted to go out and, and take in another woman to cover her because there's not enough godly men to do it and for, be a father to those children. They could do it if it, this was decriminalized. Or even, yeah, decriminalized and maybe the stigma was lifted off of it somewhat. Because people just think sex, sex, sex. They're like, you just want to have more sex. I'm like, I can go out and have all the sex I want right now. Why would I complicate things with marrying someone? That's ridiculous. Now I have to take care of her. It's not about sex. It's about providing covering to the women that need to be covered. Paul said in the Bible that widows under 60 should be remarried. Who's going to remarry a 55-year-old widow? Like There might be a few men out there to do it, but if you're looking at the majority of men, there ain't enough of us to do it. So those women don't get protected. They have no family. They have no man to take care of them. As shit gets worse in the world, they're going to need somebody to look out for them more than likely. If they have kids, the kids got no father. I mean, I believe that monogamy only creates a cesspool. I'm not saying that the, no, people should do it because I think it, but I think that pe- men have the right to do it biblically. And I think in some cases it, it would be very beneficial. I think the reason that the marriage rates are so low right now with, there's historical lows. Five out of every 1,000 people are getting married right now. 
men are not seeing that value in the institution of marriage anymore. So what are we going to do to make marriage more attractive to men? Because they're not finding it attractive. I believe that if you said, hey, look, religion is okay with God. If you decide somewhere down the road that you want to take a second wife or a third wife, you're allowed to do it. I think they'd be a lot more likely to get How married. How does that make life. anything more more attractive? Like if 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 a man doesn't see the value in providing, protecting, being a man of honor, respecting, denying himself, sacrificing himself for one woman, what's attractive about doing that for multiple women? So I don't that that that's a hard sell there. Is if I don't if I don't buy into doing it for one, why would I be able to do it for two? Because you're not waiting for that one girl that hits every checkpoint on your list. You know, like I met girls that I love enough that I would have married them if I had known that I wasn't going to be trapped, for example. So marriage is a trap is what you're saying. Do you think that there's, do you think that that has, do you think that perception has skewed your reality and perhaps maybe put you in the position that you're in? I don't in? think it's, a, I don't not, think not, it's not, not judgment on that question, Rob, but to, to hear you say that, that, Selecting a woman to spend the rest of your life with is trapping you. Well, what I'm saying is, I, I don't think really well, know if I, I why, know why are men not marrying because they're not. So they're thinking something about it, right? They're. I don't think what that men that's are an, we talking about? I want to talk to about well, Rob men, and Frank. The 95, the 90, whatever the percentages of men that aren't getting married. I know a lot of married men, but but the marriage the vast rates majority are men low. that I know are the vast majority of men that I know are married. Um, many of them are happy, um, and many of them are going through issues that. I don't see polygamy or polygyny being the solution for. I don't think women. You don't know that polygyny wouldn't be the solution because you've never done it. Neither have I. We're speculating. But we do know that monogamy works uh, because it's. Well, do we? Yeah, I think we do. If you look at if you look at the way things are in the world, I would say it doesn't work very well. I mean, you have a a very high chance of failure, 56 percent under monogamy only. You have rampant forms. That's a recent statistic based off of a sexual revolution that I already talked about. I, I believe is stemming those problems. I, 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 Up until I, I, 1960, the divorce rate was what, 4%, 5%? Uh, so we had 200 years of just historical data here in the US of it actually being a very proven solution. And we can look at every other great empire, every other great nation has been built, has been built upon that framework as well. I'm not saying that that's not, those aren't factors. I agree 100% the sexual revolution. Is, so you can't is, say that monogamy doesn't work because it, it, the, it, the historical data proves that it actually does work. There's no historical data proving that polygyny works. When you say it works, what do you, what do you, how are you uh, defining that? Or like, what, how are you measuring that? It works in what way? Well, I mean, to, to not get too off topic here, I, I believe America is the greatest country of all time. I believe that prior to, Many of the struggles and challenges that we're dealing today, if you go back 40, 50, 60 years, we had a thriving nation. Uh, we had, a, we had a, a, a nation built upon where a husband could go out and provide for a family. It was a single income household. Mothers were in the house. They were homemakers. They were raising families. They were raising children. We were producing great leaders in men. We were producing empowering women uh, that then went on to become other nurturing type of mother. So if we, if we go back 60 years in time and look at what America was, I say, we need to bring that back because that's the greatest example of a nation. And that was built off of the foundation of a nuclear family, a, a father and a mother raising children in one home, single household or single income household. The father goes out, works, provides, and you have a homemaker, a provider taking care of the children at home. I think we can just use the case study of America as the most recent example. As to how it works. Well, no, I, I agree with everything you said about America being the greatest country in the history of the world. But to say that it was the result of monogamy only is a stretch. It's it's no different than me saying that polygamy would, you know, 
fix all these issues that, that monogamy that I think monogamy only has created because we don't know. So like, there's a lot of factors that went into making America great. Like what? Well, I think capitalism, you know, like the freedom of people being able to go out and work and less regulations. And there's a lot of things that probably contributed to our success. And I'm not saying that monogamy isn't a good thing. I think it will be the, what's right for most people. But when you make it monogamy only, that's where I get off because number one, I can't find it in the Bible. And if I can't find it scripturally, then you're going to have a hard time selling me on it. That's, I have to go back to the word. I mean, I know you're like, you, it's you don't necessarily want to take the conversation in that I mean, direction. But, do you, but I have so to base the, I mean, my life off that, of what the There's Bible a lot of things that in the Bible that if we went out and did them today, like, I mean, talks about throwing stones at people for breaking the laws. Like when you see people against the law, do you go out there and throw rocks at them? So this is what I would say to that, is I would say that the Levitical law, <clears throat> you don't have to obey all, all of the Levitical law, right? There's all kinds of things in there about clothing and you want to pick and choose your singular, like, like scripture statements here. It's like, this is like somebody the other day, somebody the other day, like literally took one sentence out of a social media post and tried to label that as a way that I like literally coach in my entire worldview. I'm like, that's a sentence in one post of 4,000 posts that I made over the past year. I don't think that we can extract one sentence out of the Bible without understanding the context, without understanding who it was written by, who it was written for, and what was the message. So to say that there's a sentence in the Bible that promotes this, I have uh, Matt Zapala. I don't know if you know who Matt Zapala is. He's a very successful uh, insurance uh, financial guy, runs a seven-figure squad podcast, incredible man of God, wrote the book called Faith Made Millionaire. He had the Bible when I, when I had the conversation with him. He had it literally sitting here on the desk. He talked about how the Bible guides his life and how he uses it as a tool for how he makes decisions. And he gave this very clear example of what the Bible actually represents to him. And there was like this much of the books that were like the goodness of man. And there was this much of the books, like eight times as much that was the fall of man. I think parts of the Bible are historical representations, not prescriptions of what we need to be doing, but descriptions of mistakes that man has made over time that God needs to reveal to us so we don't go make those same mistakes again. So just because that there was polygyny in the Bible doesn't, in my opinion, mean that it's a prescription for how we need to live out in 2023. It could be historical description of how things weren't actually done in the proper way. Well, that's a common argument people like to use is prescription versus description. But if you read Exodus twenty two sixteen, it is prescription. It says if a man seduces a virgin, he must marry her. Let me ask you this. Let's say we just throw that out. We'll be like, oh, that was 2000 year, 4,000 years ago, whatever it was. That was, you know, for what, so what, let's just play that out now. Man's married, goes out, he has sex with a virgin. What do you, what does he do? He cheated on his wife. He cheated on his wife. Right. So now what? He just forget the girl. Like he, it's either one of two things, divorce the wife and go off with the young, the young virgin or forget the virgin and stay with your wife. And now she's her, her chances of divorce just went up because you know how it works with women, every sex partner, the divorce chances go up exponentially. So she's left out in the cold. I'm not saying this is an ideal situation, but this is what God prescribed for how to handle. So how about we actually stop cheating on our wives? I love that idea. And let's, yeah. I, it's, instead of saying, instead of saying I could cheat and I'm just going to recruit them I, to be my wife, I'm not saying, I'm how not, we actually I'm make the prescription, cheating. stop being a piece of shit and cheating on your wife. hundred percent. I think that's a, I think that's a, yeah. what, what, do you live in f- fantasy land? You're going to convince all these men to go out and stop cheating. Go for it. I would love that. I feel that's more of a reality than, than telling men that the, the pathway to their happiness and success is multiple wives. You still haven't, no, you still haven't, you still haven't sold me on how that actually creates a happy environment. Realistically, Frank, you know, you're not going to be able to convince all men to go out and stop cheating. You know that. And I know that. 
It's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to go out and convince all everybody to stop sending, please, to stop sending. It's wrong. I'm not here to convince everybody wrong. to stop doing things. But, but I'm, I'm, it's not going to happen. So the people are going to continue to sin. And God says, well, this is how you deal with it. So you said it wasn't prescriptive. And I said, it's very prescriptive. It's a command. You got to do this. If, if it's, it's like, look, you fucker, she's yours. Now you got to take care of her, buddy. What, what monogamy only did was let men off the hook. It lets us play around with no consequence. Because now we can go out and bang the virgin or, or just any girl and get, and, there, and we don't have to do anything about it. We don't have to take care of her. So men just do it anyway. Okay, but these, these sign ball of men that are out there that are, that are sleeping around, that are, you know, that are, that are have, these guys aren't capable of supporting multiple women. So once again, now you're, now you're creating an environment where you've just created more chaos for the woman because now she's being submitted to a man that's not capable of protecting and providing for her. I think guys that are, I think I, th- I think I think I think rich rich guys are shitbags just the same as poor guys. <laughs> I think they might even be more of a shitbag because they have the money to do it. What I'm saying is, do you think less men, if they actually believe what God said and tried to obey it, number one, they wouldn't cheat. But would they cheat less if they knew they had to take care of the girl after they slept with her? I would say, fuck yeah, they would. They cheat a lot less because now there's actually a consequence associated with that screwing that girl. Yeah, but your problem. So the problem here with this argument is. Rob, you know this. More and more people are leaving the church every single day. So to have this prescribed is, oh, this is going to be the solution for you to stop sleeping around with women is when you do sleep with one, you got to then take her in as a wife. Like most men that are non-believers aren't going to aren't going to accept that. And most men that do believe actually understand the value of creating a dynamic legacy with a wife, one person and creating a legacy of your family. So I think the argument just it, 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 I'm not sure who it's for. Are you trying to convince guys to come back to Christianity because you can have multiple wives? I'm just saying what the what we've been taught is false. That monogamy only is the only relationship, marriage structure accepted by God. I'm like, that's not biblical. And I believe because we've been taught this, it's had devastating consequences on society. And I think some of those, not I can't prove it that you know they're all resulting from it. But I look at where we're at now, just as far as relationships, just as far as marriages with the divorce rate, the fornication, all the abortions happening every year, people were don't want to get married anymore. Like there's some issue, maybe there, you know, it's not just, just that, but there's some issue with the setup monogamy only. And I go back to the Bible and I realize this isn't God said he regulated it. He commanded it in some cases, it, you know, like we, I'm not taking one sentence. I'm building a wall and I'm using bricks. I look at, you know, God said to David, through the prophet Nathan, I gave you your wives. When he when he took Bathsheba and killed Uriah, God said to David, I gave you your wives. And if they weren't enough, I would have given you more if you just asked, why did you kill this guy? So God gave David his 18 wives. And then later on, now here, here we are in the New Testament, we're told all of a sudden, oh, that's, it's a sin to take more than one. Like what? So, so something was right in the, in the Old Testament and it became wrong. Like that's where you lose me. I'm not saying I have to do the Levitical law. You have to do it. We don't have to do the Levitical law under the new covenant. But you you want me to believe that something that was once okay by God, right and good and all that became sin somehow along the line. And I'm like, that. I don't know. that Has God ever changed anything? I don't think. He says he's the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus said I didn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill it. So people want to try to throw out the Old Testament as if it doesn't matter. And I'm like, you can't do that. Like, the Paul said, study to show thyself approved. He wrote that before the New Testament was even written. So he's talking about the Old Testament. Study, study to show thyself approved. All scriptures, God breathed. That's written, you know, was written about the Old Testament. It was, it, that was God's 
idea for the way a society should run. And I believe that that applies to us just as much as it did them. I wouldn't argue that America is any better than, you know, the Jews, like the Jewish culture. When they got into the promised land, I can imagine life was probably pretty good for them. Probably a really good time to be alive. Yeah, I wasn't around. I wasn't around back then. So I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. But once again, man, you know, we're, we're talking about a book or a collection of books that are, you know, 2000, 3000, 4000, 5000 and, and, and beyond years old. And you're bringing up a lot of problems that are 40, 50 years old. If monogamy was at the core of all of these issues, don't you think that we would have had these issues for thousands of years, not just the last 40 or 50 years? I think it does have a lot to do with, like you said, the sexual revolution. You know, there's a book called Sex and Culture. I didn't read it. I know the premise of it, but it, the guy that wrote it wasn't even a believer or anything, but he talks about all societies. And when they fall, they were all preceded by one thing. And it was when you made when they made women, the social and political equals of men. Because what happens is when that happens, women feel like they don't need their husbands anymore. They can go out, they get a job. They don't need a man. Then all of a sudden their fornication ensues. They start having babies outside of wedlock. You got fatherless homes and then the society collapses. Okay. That's where we're at right now. So you've had all these fatherless homes. You have them right now, not had them. They exist right now. One in three children are being raised in fatherless homes. There's not a good enough good godly man to go out and, and be fathers to these kids. Now we could go out and be like, come on, everybody just be a big brother to all these kids. It ain't realistic. It's not going to happen because these men have no vested interest in these kids' lives or the women's lives. If men knew that God was okay with this, some of them would take in these women and, and be fathers to these men, these, what these men, children. What men would do that? Any men that wanted to be in the will of God that, that, that had a desire for a second wife. And I'm not saying it might, it probably won't be many at first, but, it, but some would, you don't agree that some would. Like I said, I, I, I know a lot of guys. I, I don't know a single one that is looking for a second wife right now. Um, I'm not, they don't know it because they don't. It, you know a lot of Christian guys, and they haven't been taught that this is even okay with God, which is kind of why I wanted to come on the podcast. But I'm guarantee you know, guys. So are I you speaking you know on behalf guys, of God today? I guarantee you. I, I, well, I believe that I'm being led by the Spirit on this for sure. I, I, I'm compelled to talk about this. And I mean, you know, people but, can but, but if, if you're here teaching, that means that you're here representing what God believes, like I, I'm God's confident, beliefs around yeah, us. I, I, I'm, personally, I'm 100% confident that God is telling me to talk about this. Why are you so confident in that? I got Because I got good discernment. I mean, I got nothing but green lights as I started learning about this from God. And again, I'm not afraid to do hard things that God's told me to do. I've been abstinent for 18 of 23 years, bro. Like my, Why, since I was Why were you abstinent for so long? Because I was waiting for God to bring me a wife under monogamy only. I bought it. Like everybody else, I bought the. Who you buy that from? So who told you that? Every church that I ever went to. I mean, I read the I read the verse in the New Testament. Deacons. Must so when be did you husband. start hearing God's voice? If you weren't hearing it back then, I'm I'm curious. So you okay? So you heard God's voice that He's going to bring you a wife, and you say that never happened. Now that same God is telling you that you can have multiple wives. God. So this is kind of sounds like two different messages from no, God, doesn't it, no, Rob? Listen, no, I I I believe that with enough good behavior, God was going to give me a wife under monogamy only because I was operating under the false belief system that that was all there was for Christianity. So when I went to became a Christian, decided to follow Jesus, I thought, okay, got to be you know one one woman, one man. This is what it means. And I was like, all right. And I just figured if I stopped having sex, God was going to bring this woman into my life. It didn't happen. Got to the point over, you know, earlier this year where I got so frustrated with like that I started investigating to see if there was more to. So are you angry? Just, I mean, I'm not angry with God. Am I frustrated at times? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I went through the whole roller coaster of emotions going through this, like depression, frustration, anger, for, feeling forgotten, like all the things. So when I 
got to How this. How many women have you dated in the last 18 years? Not many. I mean, when I remove sex from the equation, you know. I, so can I ask you a, like a practical question? Like, how are you going to find a wife if you're not if you're not actively pursuing women and dating women? Look, when you become not not convinced, when you become like I was at the point where I was like, if I have sex before marriage, it was like I would die because because I made the video and I wrote the book. So I was deathly committed to not screwing up in that area. It doesn't take long when you know that you're not going to get a payoff because this is what this is what men don't realize. In the back of your mind, if you know that you might have sex, you might, you know, you, you know, you shouldn't, I probably won't, you know, I don't want to sin, but you know, somewhere deep down, even if you're not conscious of it, that it might happen. And it, you know, like, so you know that there's a payoff with this. So you look at women and on some level you judge them, not just as a wife, Well, you get married, you judge them somewhere along lines of there might be a payoff because we might sleep together, even if we never get married. But when you become committed to the point that I was because of the book, I'm not saying because I'm so moral, it's because I wrote the book and it put me in a, a tight spot where I couldn't F up. I could look at a woman, woman very quickly and go, is she, is she everything you want under monogamy only, in parentheses, which is what I believed was the only one that I could do. I could look at them very quickly and see, no, she's not. She's not everything I want. Had I believed in polygyny, I might have gave some of those girls a chance. Now, and this is what I explained before is I look at some of these girls that I was friends with, they, and I know they wanted to date, marry me. They saw this guy going to church, waiting, you know, not bad looking, and they wanted to date me and marry me. But I knew that they didn't check all the boxes. But I liked them enough under polygyny that I would have married one of them or, or two of them. Now, it doesn't mean that they would have said yes, but I believe some of them would. Now, if I look at those women's lives, they're a good te uh, test case. These women that I did not date because I, I was believing in monogamy only, they went on to like date guys that were not going to church, screw them, had a baby by an alcoholic guy, took him away from church. Another girl been through like five or six guys over the last couple of years, still, you know, 51 years old, not married. Like, wouldn't it have been better for them to have married me? Like two of them to marry me? Cause I would have liked that. I would have made my life a hell, hell of a lot better. And I could have led them spiritually and not treated them like, a, like these other guys treated them, taking them away from church. And like, cause that's exactly what happens with the reality of monogamy only just mathematically. This is what happens. We wonder why these women in church, oh my God, she's dating a guy that's not a Christian. What the hell do you expect her to do? There ain't enough guys, guys to go around to date them. And then we get surprised that they go out and date a pagan. Like, this is God's provision. This is God's social welfare system for widows and 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 single, you know, single moms, fatherless homes. This is his this was his provision. So what makes a good wife? What makes a good wife for Rob? I mean, there's a lot, a lot of things I want, you know, I mean, I do want physical attraction. I want a, a girl that I is a hard worker, a Proverbs 31 woman, if you want to call it that. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know about kids. I think I'd like to have the, op the option to have kids if I so chose. But I, you know, to be honest, Frank, like I'm pressing you on some personal stuff here and I appreciate you allowing me to, 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 to do it. But I think the inability to answer this question, sharp and concise may be the reason why you haven't found your wife, man, because you don't know what you're looking for. I went what God wants for me. Like the thing is, is for me, I don't, I didn't, I had a checklist a little bit. I had three non-negotiables, you know, politically conservative, uh, willing to wait and loves Jesus. And if they were physical, uh, physical fit, that would have been a bonus too. So those were kind of what I wanted, but I, I didn't have a big list because what I wasn't looking for somebody necessarily, when I say check the boxes, I wanted somebody that I just, I had a feeling for. 
like, cause you, your head can't tell your heart how to feel, right? Like your heart. Yeah, man. But heart. here's the thing, man, is you're kind of like, you're kind of contradicting yourself here a little bit. You and I both interviewed Don Nassler Biggie, right? You know that there's not just going to be this gut feeling that's going to last with you forever. There's going to have to be some rational decisions that are, that are made. Um, and you said that you met a lot of women over the past 12, 14 years that were like potential good, but they weren't good enough because they didn't check all the boxes. And when I ask you what those boxes are, you said there's only three of them. So were they not conservative? Were they not Christian or were they not waiting? Do you kind of see the contradictory in? I, no, I, I, I said that too. I said about the boxes, I, I, I did contradict myself a bit there, but ultimately what I wanted was God to say her like, and that wouldn't have been hard because God tells me to, to make decisions all the time. And this is one of the most important decisions a man will make is who to marry. So I, yeah, but if you sat down, Rob, and you prayed and you were like, God, tell me the type of woman that you want me to have. These are the things that I want is I want a blonde. I want somebody that's fit. I want somebody that takes care of their health. I want somebody that wants to be a mother. I want somebody that uh, comes from a good family. I want somebody that understands that the, the, the husband's going to lead. I want somebody that's going to support my mission. I want somebody that wants to be a mother, that loves animals, that loves pets, that maybe wants to live on a farm, that wants to drive big trucks. Like, dude, I think the more specific we can get in our time with God, with our prayers, then when we step out in the world, you're like, oh shit, there's the one right there sitting across from me at the bar or sitting across from me at the coffee table. Let me go have a conversation with her versus God's going to put a woman in a box and mail her to me and I'm gonna, it's going to be delivered by UPS. Did you know how out there I was with Christian women? If a Christian woman was willing to wait to have sex before marriage, she's coming across my path. I created so much content. I wrote the book on it. I had viral videos. Like I was in a position, it wasn't like I was hiding out in my house waiting for her to come along. I was out there, dude, out there in a way that most people never will. When be. you talk, that's what it sounds like, though. I just want you like well, what, I had, what I hear when I say I God waiting, was going to bring me a woman is like that you're going to one day a doorbell was going to ring. Not bring me a woman, have a, say her like I and I talked to women, but I didn't need to necessarily date women because I could tell pretty quickly if I was going to if there was something there or not without necessarily I believe. You know, being friends with a girl first before you start dating. I don't. We don't necessarily need to start dating because that's going to create potential hurt feelings. Because you're you're going to think almost oh, he's my husband, and the next thing you know, I go on two dates, and I don't want to see you anymore. And now I got to have an awkward conversation. I didn't want to do that, so I would be friends with girls. And I had lots of girlfriends, and I never wanted to take that next step. And nor was God telling me to take that next step. And I was trust me, I was listening. You're not a, a freaking young healthy guy with a, a, a wakes up with a heart on every day and is, doesn't want a wife. I was listening and I was praying and God was not saying anything. So it's not like I just really wanted to be single. Like I know I wanted to have sex. I wanted companionship. I wanted all the things. And he would not tell me yes to anybody, nor did I feel so strongly about one of them that I was going to just jump the gun and go marry her without God giving me a, a strong yes about. So how does a, so how does an 80% yes make for, a happy marriage with multiple wives. Like I, that, that one I'm like, I don't understand. I can't, I, for me, it would. I mean, there were girls, I can think of several girls that there were girls that I pushed away because I believed in monogamy only beautiful girls, great girls. And I couldn't give them that, that monogamy only. I couldn't give them that. So I pushed them away because I was like, while well, they're still young and beautiful, I got to set them free. And, and most of them went on and have found great guys, not all of them. But I would have married him. I would have married him had I known if I could have three. And now that may sound shitty. People may say that, you know, it's wrong for you to want variety. And I'm like, no, I think it's pretty natural for men to want variety. I think we suppress it. I think it comes out in unhealthy ways because men cheat. And, I, and I'm not saying, again, not right for everybody. But for me, it would have been right.
it would have been the right move because I, God would have been cool with it. And I could have covered these girls that went off to not do so well without me. Why do women leave their husbands? You, we talked a lot about it at the beginning, like this divorce rate, it's, you know, over 50%. And I think you said 70 to 75% of divorces are initiated by women. Why are women initiating so many divorces? You know, people will have different views on that, I'm sure. But like, so I, I've heard Rich uh, Rollo Tomasi talk about competition anxiety. Have you ever told him to talk about that? Women have competition anxiety. Basically talks about how eager they are to have sex with you before they get married. Right. Like when you're single, women want to fuck. They do. And, and you don't have to talk them into it. They just because, you know, why even and they might not know it, but subconsciously they're trying to secure you. They want to lock your ass down. Right. Because they know they ain't got you yet. And you might go out and find another girl, a younger girl or whatever. So they're 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 their pussies naturally wet for you. OK. But after they get married, they got you. They know they got you. And now all of a sudden they don't want to fuck you as much. And all of a sudden that again, that goes back to the numbers. You know, 75% of women file for divorce, but even the, the um, half the people that stay married, they stop having regular sex. I don't believe it's the men that want to not have sex. I believe it's the women. Why don't they want to have sex? Well, there's no competition anxiety anymore. Now, if it had, again, introducing the possibility of polygyny, not even polygyny, although I think that would even intensify it. And I'll share a story with you that I believe supports that. But even just the possibility, if you if you get married and, and your wife knows Frank could choose a second wife if he's choose if he wants to, she's not going to deny you sex. She'll never deny you sex because she knows you could go get another woman and find it with her. But because of monogamy only, she knows this is your only outlet right here, and 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 she and she controls you like that, and she wields it. Like yeah, man. See, I, see, I don't think that I don't think that ha- happy, healthy relationships are operate at this manipulative level. I think that this is very low level manipulative type of thinking. Um, and I would tell you, man, because I talk with dozens of men every single week that don't want to have sex with their wives. There is an epidemic of weak, emasculated, feminized men that don't want to pursue their wives. And I can tell you pornography is driving a big part of that. So I would push back that actually a lot of the sexlessness in marriage is due to men not showing up. Now, I know three very close personal friends Okay, I'm not going to share their names, but the audience, some of them probably know who I'm speaking about here. Three very, very successful men. We're talking top 0.001% in the world. Financially, publicly, the things that they do, they could protect, provide, cover. They could give their woman the lives, everything they want. Private jets, cars, houses, mansion trips, all over this. Okay, three of them in the last 12 months, their wives had filed four divorces. Okay, and it's not because they weren't taken care of. It's not because they weren't provided for. It's because women actually want partners in this life. They want a man to lead them. They want a man to show them the way, but they want the man to be on that journey with them and be, babe, this is where we're going. And I think that's the problem. And I don't see how having multiple wives, you can create those type of partnerships. Women are divorcing men because men aren't showing up as men. Not because they're they're holding sex back from them because there's no competition anxiety, whatever that word is that you said out there. The, the, the women, I, okay, you, I believe you just supported my point. You asked why more women are falling for divorce. Well, these men can support wives. They show up for them. They provide. They protect. And the women still fall for divorce. But they weren't showing up for the wives. All they did is they bought them a house and said, "Here's here's protection and here's provision." I don't Minus think one the emotional the attachment of a relationship. There's an, actually an emotional component, a partnership, a unity. We're doing life together. We're building this life together. We're jumping on board and we're going to go through these challenges. We're going to go through these hurdles. We're going to be partners in life. 
That's what women want. Well, what I'm saying is I don't believe that one negates the other. Like, I don't believe like if you're polygynous, all of a sudden you're not going to show up. I believe that in order to be in a you polygynous can't. marriage, you can't show up be, every order, night for multiple wives. Uh, no, you you can't sleep in you can't sleep with them both, you know, on the same night. And I don't know if that that's what you mean, but you could certainly provide and protect them. And I again, I think no, you can't order, you can't show be, up and have intimate just lack remove sex from the equation. Women want to have a conversation while sitting on a couch. Women want to walk around a park and hold hands on a daily, nightly basis. You're defending you're defending monogamy like it's so great. Seven. Look at the, look at the numbers. What numbers? I do think it's great. I think no, monogamy I think only. I mean, you're defending it like it's it's it's. I can't believe that it's God's ideal. Because when I when when it's when it's done the right way, I don't think 50 percent of divorces are due to monogamy. There's other factors that are driving that. I've, I've made that point very very clear here today. I think polygyny done the right way. Let me. So the, the story I was going to get to was there's this guy that commented on one of my posts recently. He's in Philip uh, Thailand, and he said, you know, polygyny is the norm here. And he says, I, I can't say exactly what it is, but it's interesting to watch the dynamics um, of a couple, like a couple when they, when the man introduces another woman to the relationship at first, it's met with initial hatred for the man by the first wife. Okay. She just hates the man. It says then an overwhelming attraction for the said, said male and then an inability to let go. So I'm like, okay, so I don't know if that's true. I haven't done it myself, but he said, basically first, first she hates him bringing bringing the woman around then she can't she's super attracted to him physically and then she's unable to let go of him so if that were true okay think about because this is what happens with under monogamy only guy 25 years old marries his college sweetheart they, they have a couple kids he turns 45 years old hits a midlife crisis decides to trade her in for another 25 year old he does exactly what the bible says don't do not put away your first wife he divorces her and then goes off with the 25 year old leaving that woman now 45 years old Good luck finding a man, right? It's going to be hard for her. And now the kid's fatherless versus marrying the 25-year-old. Now the woman, she might hate it at first, but now she's kind of attracted to him physically. And she has she's unable to let go. Less divorce, less fatherless homes, more kids because there's more sex. Like it's win, 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 win down the road. And what we try to do is negotiate in her. But to use a case study from one guy that commented on a social media post from Thailand, like nobody's flocking to Thailand, bro. Like it doesn't seem like an ideal uh, state that people want to want to live in. What's that got to do with anything? It, because you said because you said that's the norm. You said that's the norm in Thailand. So if that's the option out there, why aren't guys flocking to Thailand to participate in that? Thailand, he says, polyg polygyny is the norm here. And this is the way he said the dynamic. Yeah, so why aren't guys flocking from the world to go live in Thailand so they can have multiple wives? Maybe they are. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I don't know a single person that lives. I know one person that lives in Thailand because he works for a high. Maybe uh, they are. Fortune I know a lot of people actually. They have those passport bros, the people that move to different countries to marry women that don't have Western, you know, have been poisoned with no, our. That's not what passport bros is, dude. Passport bros are men of the West that go on trips to other countries because they're looking for feminine women, not empowered feminists, which has been indoctrinated into our Western culture. Bring it once again back to all of the problems that you're trying to solve have nothing to do with monogamy have everything to do with a cultural marxist agenda that is trying to destroy the nuclear family here in the west i agree with all that i agree with all that i just don't i just don't believe that that those are the only factors that have played into our demise i don't and I, again i have to go back to the way i live my life is i filter everything through scripture man like i'm not afraid to do hard things that god has asked me to do i've been abstinent for a long time because that's what god asked now he's asking me to talk about this
and hopefully pursue it because it would change my it would drastically improve my life. Yeah, so we've been talking about it for for a while, man. How's how's it playing out in in your life? What's different in the in the dating world since you've been talking about this? Like, talk about the benefits. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking to this girl in the Netherlands. It's coming in for New Year's Eve, and and um, you know, it seems like we're getting serious. I think there's a good chance that we could she could be the one or the first one, let's say. Um, but you know, and, and who knows, maybe I never pursue polygyny. Maybe I marry her and I, and, and I decide. What case studies do we have of men here that are succeeding today, right? Uh, Napoleon Hill wrote a great book in the 19, I think it was 1918. He published Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich has an entire chapter dedicated to sex transmutation. In that chapter, the 500 men that he interviewed that were the most successful leaders of the world all talked about the power of having one woman in their life and how that drove their success. There's, you can read the, the chapter. I think it's chapter 12 on there. So there's many hundreds, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of case studies of the most successful men in the world that have taken that path and have proven it. That is actually the way to succeed, to build businesses, to build empires, to create lasting legacies within the family. We know it's better for children. So what are the case studies proving that polygyny works? So I, I actually have a chapter in my book on sex transmutation. I love that that chapter, but it wasn't about having one wife, as far as I remember. It was about not. It was about harnessing your sexual energy, not not having sex at all, and using it. You know, rechanneling it to. There is there's parts in the chapter that that talk about like obviously all these men weren't abstinent for their entire life. They harnessed it through controlling. And there's actually uh, a great quote here from the book. Let me see if I can pull it up here real quick, but. Uh, when driven, when driven by, so this is a quote from the book, 1937, the unedited uh, edition, when driven by his desire to please a woman based solely upon the emotion of sex, a man may be, and usually is capable of great achievement, but his actions may be disorganized, distorted, and totally destructive. So when we're driven by the desire to please women through sex, we may lead to distorted and totally destructive behaviors. When driven by his desire to please a woman based upon the motive of sex alone, a man may steal, cheat, and even commit murder. But when the emotion of love is mixed with the emotion of sex, that same man will guide his actions with more sanity, balance, and reason. I think one of the greatest acts of love that a man can show to a woman is to commit his life to her till death do you part. One woman, one man. I think that is the highest form of love that a man can express to a woman. I agree with you all the way up until you said one woman, one man, because I think you can love more than one woman and you can commit to her till death do you part and provide for her. And I believe that, you know, I don't think Abraham was any less of a man. I don't think the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel are where we all came from. We were grafted in, came from a man with four wives. Like, I don't think that they were less of men because they had four wives. I don't think David was less of a man. I don't think Gideon was less of a man. Like all these polygamists, I don't think they were less than a man. I don't think less of their wives. Like they were lower value because they decided to, you know, choose a man that could take care of them. Well, I don't think that they were less than, and I, again, I think forcing ourselves to try and operate under something that's not natural has ramifications that we're living under. Like, again, I feel like I was honest with myself. I, I believed in monogamy only. And I was waiting, 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 waiting for this, this woman. Most people they're not as committed to saving sex for marriage. So they just go out and they have sex and then they drift into a relationship with the wrong one. Or maybe if they're really committed, they just, you know, to waiting, they just marry because maybe they're, I, I didn't want there to ever be a divorce. I was like, I'm, when I get married, it's it. I'm not going to get divorced. We'll work it out. So I was like waiting for this girl to come along that I didn't think that that might be a strong possibility or, you know, or that I just wouldn't feel like a strong desire to be unfaithful to. Not that I would have, because I was determined to never be a cheater again. 
but I'm saying most men aren't, don't get put in that position. And again, a lot of it had to do with the book and, and the call of God on my life. So I just have to look at that combined with the scripture and know like, yeah, this, this monogamy thing, only thing is it doesn't work for a lot of men. I don't. And I think that again, it would, it goes back to the, you know, the marriage rates. I just think a lot more men would be more likely to marry if they knew that this was a possibility, even if they never took it, even if they never did it, I think it would improve the numbers. I don't think it could get any worse. Like the marriage rates can't get much lower. The divorce rates probably can't get much higher. Like fornication can't be any worse. Like what are we going to do to convince men to not even just convince men to make marriage more attractive? What are you going to do to make obedience to God more attractive? Cause if you're not married and you're having sex, which, is, and I won't say the majority of men are not because they're moral, but because they can't, because they're pushed out of the sexual marketplace. Right. Yeah. Now. I mean, 30% like, of men under 30 haven't had a sexual partner in, yeah, I think the last the, 12 months, but the ones that are like the, those top men, they're getting, they're getting a lot. Right. And a lot of those guys are Christians, I'm sure. At least they claim Christianity, whether they're real Christians or not, we don't know. But so what are you going to do to make mer- what are you going to do to make obedience to God more attractive to them so they're willing to get married? Because right now under monogamy only, they know that God's not okay with it. And they're still doing it. So what are we going to do to make it more attractive to be obedient to God? So you could put the fear of fear of God into them and be like, hey, you might burn in hell. You know, like fornicators go to hell. Sexual yeah, moral, I mean, Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of God is the beginning of all, all wisdom, man. I don't think, I think actually bringing God back to the center of our nation uh, would be the solution for that. Because I think what we've experienced is the removal of God from our society, which has created a toxic culture of the, uh, the sexual revolution, right? Like the sexual revolution is heir apparent it's not it's it's here because we've removed god from our value structure here in the west so it's not bringing in this outside idea that hasn't proven itself over history it's saying no we have to return back to actually what has worked what every great nation every great society has been built upon which is monogamy we have the actual evidence to support it no look i I agree with everything that you said, bringing it back, right? But if you go back to, you want to go back to traditional marriage, this is traditional marriage. This is biblical marriage. This is what they did. I can't believe that God prescribed it, or this is the way the Jews lived. And somehow it's not, it's not right for us all of a sudden. Like monogamy only, because monogamy only didn't exist. It, let's be, be real. It did, the Jews did not follow monogamy only, and it's well documented. But somewhere along the line, Christians started to do this, and we believe that yeah, let's go back to the way God established it. And that's not bringing in something from the outside, as you just said. This is going back to what the book says. I appreciate you coming on here, man, and, 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 and doing this with me. I don't think either one of us probably were moved in any direction here today. Um, you know, hopefully the audience got something out of it. If not, maybe they got some chuckles and some laughs of two grown men screaming at each other. Um, if anything, maybe there's some value in that. Um, I wish you luck, man. You know, I, I, I can't say I agree with anything um, that you shared here. Um, I would love to see things brought back to the traditional way of living. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Right. But I think pushing people in that direction, because we know what it has produced for me makes a lot more sense than saying, Hey, there's this other thing over here that actually has no evidence of actually working. And in my opinion, would actually create more toxicity. Cause I got to think the kids, man, like, Dude, if I'm a young boy, man, and I'm, I'm eight years old, man, and, like, my dad, like, I just want nothing more than to, to, to follow what 
he says, like, he's the king of the world to me. And then every third night, he's with this other family. Like, the child's brain doesn't actually process that to the degree that we can. So what is going on? Do you think the kid would be worse off by himself in a fatherless home than he would in a polygynous marriage, uh, in a polygynous family? That's, the, that's really the question. Because I would say, fuck no, it wouldn't be better for the kid to be fatherless. The number, look at the numbers. You think it's going to, what, so like 85% of incarcerated individuals are from fatherless homes. I think it would be 90% from polygynous homes. No, it wouldn't. Come on, dude. Like, use, use, use logic. It's not going to be any worse for the kid to be in a polygynous. It'd be a hell of a lot better. How? I, I don't, I don't, because, I, because. Because the father's in the home. They, they even have studies to show that it's not just fathers in homes. It's fathers in a community, actually. As long as there's enough fathers in a in a neighborhood, but I don't see that as a father though. I don't see a guy that is checking in every third night on some kids and a wife as an actual father. A father is there every night. A father is there uh, putting his kids to sleep. A father is there at the dinner table. A father is there at the games. What happens if there's two little league games? Which one are you going to? That can that can happen in a monogamous relationship, dude. That can happen in a monogamous relationship. Anyway, the studies are what the studies are, and it showed that when there's fathers, not just in a home, in homes, but in like a, a, a vicinity, that the kids do better because it, for whatever reason, that male presence, it, the kids do a lot better. So yeah, but that's not a study to prove that polygyny works. That's a study on the role that we need men in children's lives. It's a it's a study that disproves what you just said that that needs to be one woman, one man. That needs to be a man committed to one woman. And he has to be only committed to her because the father no look these guys are in the neighborhood and the kids do better so yes if the father was in a home and he had three wives they're going to do better than them being by themselves raised by a mom that's working and they're in daycare and it's all theory bro like it's 100 all just i I agree i I can't look well some of it is theory i mean some of it for for sure because i haven't done it but some of it you know like that study that i just mentioned is i believe reliable you know about the, the fathers being in the neighborhood let's to take into account uncles and, and all that. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah. Like, I don't think we're going to, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to persuade either one of us here um, at this point. But uh, like I said, man, I appreciate you, you coming on, man. This was something different that, you know, we uh, haven't, haven't done here before. Like I said, I hope that there's some value in, in, in the audience guys, if you did, you know, uh, listen to this and, 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 and do get something down, please let us know, reach out to myself, drop me a message, shoot me an email, reach out to Rob, share this conversation. Let us know if you want us to do more of these debate style things. Um, Cause we're here to serve you guys. You know, ultimately the show is not about me. Um, it's not about anything that I want. It's about bringing value to, to the audience. And, and like I said, Rob, I've known you for years, man. I think we've developed, you know, uh, a close friendship over the years together. I've supported a lot of the things that you've done. You've always been in support of the things that I've done. Um, and when I started to see some of these things, I, I wanted to dig, dig a little bit deeper, man. So I do appreciate you, um, allow me to, to push you in some of these ways. And, um, you know, I hope it was, uh, beneficial in any way that it could have been for you as well. Yeah, man. No, I appreciate you letting me talk and rant a little bit. And, you know, most people just assume I'm lost it. You know, they're like, Oh, Rob, what the hell is he talking? Well, I still, about? I still think that man, if you want me to be completely honest, I still think you've lost it. Uh, and you're off your rock for a little bit. Um, okay. that's but, fair. Um, can think you know, that. I'm sure, I'm sure lots of people will. You know, you know, but maybe again, I, I challenge people to go. Maybe back you'll just dis- maybe you'll disprove me, right? I don't think that's going to be the case. But uh, you know what comes out of this for you uh, in your life and um, the men that you're working with. I don't know if you're coaching other men to try to do this in in, in their lives. I'm not sure what the real plan is here. Um, 
but I think the future will dictate a lot of things for us, man. So I will say one thing. It's funny that's occurred since I started talking about this. I got people pissed off, right? Like they're, they're, the comment sections on, on my post are just going, going nuts. But there were girls, there's a couple girls specifically, beautiful girls that I wanted to take out prior to this information. And I had messaged them and just didn't get like a lot of response or whatever. And then all of a sudden I start talking about this and they're like, hit me up. They don't want to be polygynous, but they all of a sudden went to date me under monogamy. And it's like, like all of a sudden I became a challenge or like this guy, he's got the audacity to even think that he could do this. And now maybe, I don't know. It's weird, dude, but I can tell you, girl, these are girls that I definitely was trying to, to talk to a little bit and they were not showing any interest. And as soon as I started talking about this, they start messaging me. And I know it's because for whatever reason, it pisses them off, but it, they're intrigued in some way by it. Not to say they would do it, but they were intrigued enough to now start talking to me. And, and one girl's like, you know, I, I was, I was wondering if I could change your mind. Like, and, and I was like, you know, I said, it would be a decision God would have to make, not me. Cause I, all I'm trying to do really is take the next step of obedience. I do feel like this is it, but it, it, that was a weird dynamic. That was something weird to see. Cause I was like, hmm. you would think that here I was this good guy, good Christian guy, why waiting works, you know, like doing everything that the, you know, the, I've been taught being a good Christian boy, trying to take this girl out. They say they want a good Christian guy, good godly leader, and they are giving me no love. And then as soon as I started talking about polygyny, boom, they start hitting me up. It was weird. I, I don't know what that means, but read the book. No more Mr. Nice guy. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Glover's work, but, um, yeah, I think we need good men, but we got to better define what, what that means. Cause it's not being a, a pushover, uh, of, of, of a man. I think that's what a lot of guys believe when they hear be a good man is be a, be a pushover. Um, but I think stand for something, stand for your beliefs, stand for your values, your principles, um, have something that you're fighting out there in the world. Um, what is it, man? All men, John Eldred talks about it, right? All men desire three things. They want a journey to go on, uh, an adventure to take and a beauty to rescue. Um, and I think most men are lacking all three of those. And if we could bring that back to men in real masculinity, I think we solve a lot of the other problems with the 20% and all this other things. And why aren't there more capable men? It's because men have been misled. Um, we could talk, you know, we could do an entire episode on why that's been the case. There's been an agenda behind that, all these other things to feminize men uh, here in the West. But I think we got to bring back the traditional, traditional masculine values to men. And in doing so, I believe we solve a lot of the other problems that you are trying to solve with multiple wives. So um, final words, Rob, I'll, 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 I'll give you the mic here for the last 60 seconds. No, man, I don't really have anything else to say. You pretty much said it all. I mean, you can check me out uh, on social media at Rob B. Kowalski or online, robbykowalski.com. Um, pick up the book. If you're interested in learning about the practical reasons for saving sex for marriage on Amazon, why waiting works. It's got over a hundred five star reviews. Yeah. And we, and we've had Rob on, uh, this is the third, third time we've had you on, man. So we'll actually link up the previous two episodes down in the show notes. Uh, the first one, we really unpacked Rob's story, uh, what led him to write the book, some of the early things he was doing with city fam. The second conversation, I think we got more into the city fam work, uh, the group type of things, um, getting some involvement in the churches. And, and this one was, what you guys heard here today. So we'll link all that stuff down there in the show notes for you guys. Definitely pick up the book. Um, Rob's got some, uh, some programs as well. That he's working with men. So if you're looking to become more desirable to more women in your life, um, not that you need to marry more of them, but, but check out Rob's stuff guys. So Rob, I appreciate you guys. Uh, I appreciate you, man. 
Um, guys, if you got value out of this, please do share this one. Um, this one may blow up the internet. We hope it does. Uh, but we love you guys, and we'll see you next week when we return back to our uh... – Can I say one more thing, Frank? I'm sorry. I hate to cut you off on the end of it. But I just wanted to plug that Facebook group. Unplug Christian Alphas uh, for guys that really want to level up and have more options with uh, high-value women. You can go – it's Facebook. It's 100% free to join. You can go to unplugchristian.com. It'll take you directly there. And, um, yeah, appreciate it. Awesome. Guys, we got to plug down in the, in the show notes, guys. Uh, share this one. Subscribe. Uh, if you haven't yet, also make sure to go check out The Rebuilt Man. We're in week two of our second podcast, guys. We're really excited about what we're bringing here with The Rebuilt Man. So make sure to go check that one out. Uh, but for Rob and his pursuit to marry as many women as he possibly can, your host, Frank Rich here. We love you guys. And we'll see you next week.